0: This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by my own, the Village of Greenhaven. A lot of you have gone out and supported the Village of Greenhaven and picked up your PDF at Drive Through RPG of the Pop In Principle. Village of Greenhaven is a city that you can literally pop in to any campaign and any system. It's written to be system agnostic, so all you have to do is overlay your mechanics onto a pre-populated city filled with NPCs, shops, encounters, events, and tons of random tables. Make sure that you go to DriveThruRPG right now and pick up The Village of Greenhaven. Hey, it's a $1.99, but only through the end of January. February 1st, it kicks up to its regular price. And then, well, you know, it's still affordable, 3 bucks is 3 bucks, but right now, 2 bucks is better than 3 bucks. Also, for those of you that have been asking, and it's quite a few of you, yes, the print on demand version of Village of Greenhaven is coming soon as soon as my little hands get as soon as it gets placed in my little hands, as in the proof copy, it will be also available exclusively at DriveThru for $6.99. And I'm trying to keep these prices low so that everybody can pop in the pop-in principle into their game. Just go to Drive-Thru RPG, search for Greenhaven, G-R-E-E-N-H-A-V-E-N, and pick up The Village of Greenhaven for your table now. Now? On with the show. Hey, 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 everybody. It is I, Ryan David, and welcome to yet another episode of Nerd Cognito. It's a cold week for, well, for at least us, right? Uh, the, The East Coast is not doing good as far as cold, and then the Midwest is doing even worse, which means that one of my co-hosts is freezing his mm, off anyway <laughs> hey Kyle <laughs> hey how are they yep, hanging that's me <laughs> <laughs> they're not <laughs> yeah yeah they're not <laughs> they're snugged up yeah. in there real nice and tight anyway yeah,
1: like a, like a like a stack of dimes
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh oh boy uh I uh I'm feeling better than I was when we were on the speak I still haven't shaking all of the I don't even know what it was man I just I. it wasn't a horrible week but I feel like someone was stepping on my neck every day it's it's weird You're funk, right
1: man. you were in a funk we call that being in a funk you were in a funk oh
0: funk that man <laughs> wonder if Bert's in a funk uh, I see him making his way over here hey Bert what's going on uh, not too much Ryan how's it going eh it's all right it's all right it's, it's it's I got some gaming in this week which is good but uh there was some caveats with that you know life heavy stuff price. happened um, dad had another heart attack last week um, uh, I'm sorry man it was it, eh, yeah at this point and, and again it's it's very cavalier but he's had so many right he's over 20. We, we, wow. went, we went back historically and counted he is over 20 he has congestive heart failure and he has had it and outlived the doctor's estimate now by 7 years
2: <laughs> I,
0: like I'm a little desensitized to it but it doesn't still bu- you know it's not like it doesn't still bum me out because right. it, there's going to be a time where it just can't go anymore right yeah. so okay. uh, eh
2: that yeah, lives
0: forever. and uh, uh, Thursday night game at the at the game store, uh, someone walked off with my fiend folio, Bert. Oh, that's a that's a fighting offense right there. I don't even know who it was. I know that their hair color had multiples, but I don't know who it was. I've got it down to one of three because I am holding out hope and belief, and maybe this is naive of me that it wasn't someone from my group. Because I've known those guys in that group for years. Not as long as I've known our core group, Bert. But going on, uh, let's see, when did I move out here? Uh, Going on almost 10 years. So I would really hold out hope that it wasn't them. Because they've also had plenty of other opportunities to snag it. (laughs) Right. Right. You did the
2: usual thing, right? Check to make sure somebody pick it up with Airbooks and all that nonsense. I,
0: I sent a message out to our group, and uh, everybody says no. We don't. We, we don't have it. We don't know where it is. I checked in with the store; they don't know where it is. Um, mm, yeah. it's, it, it's it's one of those things. And you know, the cameras are on the magic cards and the cash register, right? They're not on the play tables. <laughs> right. right. And and that's by my suggestion. <laughs> So, um, it is is what it is. Um, At least it was just a reprint. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. This week, we've got uh, some stuff to talk about that I think is going to be an interesting chinwag. First up, uh, we're going to talk about independent player skill versus character ability and what lines, distinctions, and intentional... Sort of thoughts that you have to keep in the front of your head, both as a player and as a dm applied to this scenario, plus it's a really interesting um follow up to last week's talk about the fucking power gamers <laughs> um, then we have some news. I'm not disgusted at all by the news that this of this week. What's wrong with me? <laughs> After the news, we're going to give a peek to a friend of the show, Randy Nichols. You know him from Biggest Geekus He wrote an OSR module called The Tragedy at Tigon's Falls. And we had a chance to, to peel through this module. And uh, we're going to talk about it and see if it has a place at your OSR table. Sound like a plan, guys? Yeah, you know I man. Well, before we dig into this player skill versus character ability thing, anyone have some sort of funny or humorous anecdote? Bert,
2: funny story time. You
0: go. <laughs> Migo, okay. Um, no, not the Migo. They're no, nasty. No Migo. Migos are nasty, man.
2: No, no. This takes me back to a second AD&D game that I played in. This was years ago and um the dm you know did a great job came up like basically wrote his own module came up with all these puzzles and riddles and things like that and half of them we were struggling to figure out and one guy said well my character's a genius i have an 18 intelligence he should be smart enough to know how to do this even if i don't can right. i just roll for it
1: right
0: <laughs> and, and DM,
2: i think that's an interesting way to to approach it what would your dm say The DM said, uh, no, he's like, if you're, uh, he's like, if your character is smart enough to figure it out, doesn't mean that he's not distracted
0: by the rest of the party and their idiot tangents. That's a good answer. I don't know, Kyle. That's, that is a situational decision. If I'm the DM, right? Because it is possible that you've got, and they are friends of ours. They are in the hobby at all levels, but you've got some very, very, um, what's the, the nice way to say this, uh, socially inept and, or non-communicative people that may Mm -hmm. not be able to communicate that. And hence do rely on the stats. I I don't know. Where, Where do you fall on that one?
1: Well, I mean, it's to me, this, this idea of player skill versus character ability, it, this is when um, it becomes particularly important whenever you have a situation where maybe you've got somebody and they might be a pretty smart guy, but they're not a genius. They don't have an 18 intelligence. They're not a Stephen Hawking kind of kind of character. Right. right. As far as intelligence. And
0: we goes. have to remember that an 18 is probably yeah. smarter than Stephen Hawking.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, if you look at the bell curve, it's like, you know, less than 1% of the population is is this intelligent. And we're going, we're just using intelligence here. You could use it with any of these stats. Sure. So that's really the the primary case is is made for rolling versus an ability score based on that. Because it, let's say in real life, I've got an intelligence of 12 or 13. I don't have an 18 intelligence. So if I've got a riddle or a puzzle or something, and I can't figure it out, there is, in my mind, there is a bit of a justification there. It's like, well, you don't have the skill, but your character has the ability. So we will give you, I'll allow a role and then maybe give you some hints to, you know, to help you move along. Cause you don't want to take the, I don't think you want to take the player skill out of it completely. Personally, I wouldn't, I would be reluctant to do that, but it it's really where this whole idea of role of perception check comes from. Um, do I like it necessarily? No.
0: Yeah, I totally, um, I'm very much on the fence with this one, right? Because it could be a situational thing and it is a situational thing. There's going to be times where a character is well beyond what the player does, and we're not creating you know these are not self-inserts so it right. is feasible specifically with the intelligence one and also like with the strength right uh, i i could play a character that has a 16 in strength ryan does not have a 16 in strength <laughs> right i'm not running my marathon that's two weeks ago right. that we got the shout out for the marathon but the difference is and this is why i would consider allowing the die roll for something like that the difference is if my character who has that 16 in strength bashes down the door my dm isn't going to make me go bash down a door to do it right
2: that's where, the thing yeah right.
1: i mean there's there's a difference between the so there's there's basically it in old school ad and d you get your strength decks and your con those are physical stats right where your intelligence wisdom and charisma are more mental or intangible stats. So if you're allowing a die roll for strength to see if you can bend bars, lift gates, or you're allowing, um, you know, some sort of constitution, uh, check of some kind you're shimmying the, on
0: the ledge of the castle without falling right, off, right? Or
1: whatever. Then, you know, then I can understand how people default to, well, then I should be able to do the same thing based on something involving intelligence or wisdom or charisma. Charisma is another one uh, that where the player skill and the character ability can often be, there can be quite a disparity there. Um, you know, take take me for example.
0: <laughs> well, I always say that, that, you know, you need to role play the situation, but not the die roll right so mm-hmm. if you can role play the situation up to the event but you can't because it's beyond your ability as a player and that's not meant to be you know a dig there are things yeah, that no. are be, uh, no, again not. look at the 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 strength example with me that's beyond my ability um as long as you can role play up to the action that necessitates the die roll i would probably allow it because yeah. of mm-hmm. that of that difference right yeah i mean at the
1: same time though i'm i really hate the idea being an osr guy of just relegating everything to dice die rolls
2: and the other thing is where do you guys draw the line then if i have a character who's highly intelligent an expert in military tactics then i should be able to recognize my terrain and never walk into an ambush ever just because of my character's ability there's always somebody better than you (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: that i mean a,
0: that, that's sort you of know, I
2: mean, the, you know if we're talking about player ability versus character ability you know once you yeah. create a character you're like oh well there. i can make an argument that i should never walk into an ambush because i'm a skirmisher i've got a 16 yeah. intelligence i've been studying and, warfare uh, since i was
0: 10
1: you and can I'm, and i'm a 12th and you know, on a 12th 12th level ranger <laughs> based on right,
0: the die yeah. roll. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and and that's, yeah. Where, that's the other side of this where the die roll is important too because the die roll represents a lot of abstract factors. It is not, yes, it's a die roll, and yes, it's based on your core stat that you might be rolling on, but the random nature of dice accounts for all of the other intangibles did a mosquito bite you on the neck and you were smacking it and you weren't paying attention walked into the, the whatever, right? Walked yeah. into the pit. You could be the most masterful scout that there is. is. You're, But, you know, if you're at the bar and the barmaid's flashing some, <laughs> you know, you may miss something that was happening across the room because you were focused on two more important things at the time. So right
1: i don't Um, know yeah bert brings up a good point though and that's that's the other part of player skill versus character ability we we tend to think of that automatically as your attribute scores right well he's got an 18 intelligence and i don't so how do we resolve that the other part of that is also the characters living in a sort of pseudo medieval fantasy world there are certain things that they're going to know how to do that as modern people living in the 21st century, we don't know how to do. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a given that at least in the OSR that everybody can kind of ride a horse, right? Well, maybe not every, but maybe not everybody in real life you know can ride a horse
0: well wasn't riding actually a skill in second edition if i'm it was in second edition
1: yeah but i'm talking i'm talking about pre-Second Edition. you know if there were certain things that everybody could just you know they knew how to use a rope they knew how you know they could tie knots they could ride a horse um they could they could build a fire out you know out in the wilderness you know as long as the conditions weren't poor for for fire building that sort of thing
2: sure it's And then uh, there's also things that are assumed based on class too. It's assumed that if your fighter gets armor, he's going to know how to put it on. If you're, uh, you know, if you're,
1: uh, so it's, 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 it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird thing to me because I, I really don't like the idea of just going to dice mechanics to resolve everything because I think that goes against the spirit of the OSR. But then there are times when it's like, well, how else do you resolve the situation?
0: Well, you know, then we've got to look at things like puzzles. If if we don't have the flexibility as dungeon masters to say yes sometimes and no sometimes, why bother putting a puzzle in? Your wizard will always solve the puzzle, theoretically, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a good point. Why bother putting traps in? Your rogue should always find the traps, right? Yeah, so yeah. you have to be, as is the case with most things, when you're running an OSR game, you have to be very flexible and remember, uh, man, this keeps coming. This phrase keeps coming up. It's rulings, not rules, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. We said it, it on really the speakeasy.
0: Is. We said it before the show when we were just bullshitting off the air and it's coming up now as a dungeon master, your core responsibility is to make rulings and not rules when you're running your game. Um,
1: I can tell you for sure that when I started playing and I was young, so this, I started playing in 79. So we're we're talking early eighties here. We didn't have this disconnect between player skill and character ability. If we, as players couldn't figure out the riddle, then we just didn't figure out the fucking riddle. And And it didn't didn't matter what the wizard's intelligence was or what anybody else's intelligence was. We just, we never got it. That's just how we played.
0: And with a riddle, I think that's the right call. I I absolutely do think that that is the right call. Um, I also think that the DM has a core responsibility not to place behind that riddle something that is game breaking right right, right. it right. should provide an advantage or a disadvantage but it should not be a primary motivator or a factor in the character's ability to successfully navigate an adventure
1: right exactly it's, yeah yeah you're you're 100 percent right about that that goes against osr principles Uh, completely the you know what you're what you're bringing up is exactly an old school principle that there needs to be it shouldn't be intrinsically uh, important for the completion of the goals of the party
0: well said bert final thought on this skill versus ability I don't know. As, as an
2: old school player, I've played a lot of modules where you run into riddles, puzzles, prophecies, things like that. That, uh, hell, you played to, at my table. <laughs> to, uh, well, that's a different kind of challenge, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's survival. That's different. No. Um, but, and they're there to facilitate the story. So, to, uh, I, I guess you have to take it on a case by case basis because, if hand-waving it away uh, just seems like it it uh, it takes something away from the gaming experience. But right. if everybody's getting frustrated with it at the table, then you have to have some kind of mechanic to drop a hint or sort of point them in the right direction.
0: All right. Yeah. I think that that is a very, very fair statement. Kyle, anything that's sort of summing up your whole player skill versus character ability
1: yeah as a as a a dm i would err on the side of not allowing pure dice mechanics to resolve situations and that's that's i would err in that way it would it's it's really one of those things it's it's going to be a situational thing just like you said from the get-go it's going to be very difficult to determine exactly when And where you use it and it's gonna it's really just gonna it's gonna be a situational thing. It really is. Uh, I would err in the direction of not doing
0: it. And I I tend to unless there is good role play, like I said before, up until that dice roll, it's probably gonna be a no. If you come in and say, I solved the riddle because I have an 18 intelligence, my answer is going to be get fucked.
2: But if you
0: come in and you Present Well, you know, I've studied this architecture when I was a wizard and blah, blah, blah. And I saw runes similar to this in the Undercity of uh, whatever. Uh, right. So I want to use my intelligence and perhaps tangentially this skill to tell me, do I get something? And a success on that something role may not be a complete success in solving right. the puzzle or the thing, but it might be me as the DM then giving a little bit more to sort of mm-hmm. prompt them in the right direction, so yeah, um, yeah. You've got to take it with what your players feed you. But um, I, eh, I've got a good appetite for these things. That's not news. <laughs> so now oh, go ahead, Berts. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I did not mean to hit the sparkle button. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 no. no they're, they're right next to each other. Fat fingers. I, I delisted I here, some, my own product a couple of weeks ago. Cut me some slack. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I was just going to make a joke about the all barbarian party in the uh, in the in the uh, in the puzzle dungeon. Then, Ryan. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> what, what's, I
2: hit something like that with my club uh, like six months ago. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I should make the intelligence roll for it because you know. <laughs> oh, aye, yeah, aye, yeah, ay, ay, yeah. Ay. Yeah, I don't think we have a lot of players like that in in our core group, Bert, for sure, or in any of my groups. Like, I can think of one guy that I play with that did some playtesting with me that might fall into that category. But most of the time, there's nobody that, that that's going to do that and present it without role play, right? Yeah, you've got a point. So maybe we're a little spoiled we're spoiled kyle we are okay we are you ready yeah you ready sure are you ready we'll do it for real this time it's in the news right oh lots of stuff uh (laughs) of course if you want a sneak preview of what's in the news you gotta make sure that you are following the official Nerdcognito Twitter account at Nerdcognito on X, the machine formerly known as Twitter. You'll be able to sometimes get a little preview of what's coming. First up, Bert, do you remember we talked about this oh I wanna say six months ago or so. There's a new King atop the board game hill, and it's a game that we've played and very much enjoyed. Uh, I do remember having this conversation, but I don't remember what the game is. The game that dethroned Gloomhaven was Brass Birmingham. We had fun playing that. We did. I I enjoyed that game. Yeah, we we should pull it out again. It's been a long time. We should. Yeah, it's been a minute. uh, Roxley designer Gavin Brown says he has a yet unnamed board game that may or may not be a sequel board game to Brass Birmingham as his current top priority with a kickstarter targeted for 2024 late 2024 so we're we're legitimately almost two years out from actually seeing this game okay. <laughs> um brass birmingham was out for a long time too before it picked up traction like it was always regarded as a very good game yeah but, i mean how long did it sit
2: on your shelf of shame before we actually played it probably three
0: years Right? I, I, Kyle, it's terrible. <laughs> I buy these things, and then they sit around, and then someone's like, yeah. hey, we've looked at that box for three years. Let's play it. So <laughs> um, Brass Birmingham. It's
1: the, it's the Steam library in real life. It is.
0: It, it very yeah. much is. Uh, Brass Birmingham released in 2018. So there you go. That's when I bought it, Bert. And we played <laughs> it in 2022. So I believe you're right. Years. right now. So four, yeah, years. Years. four years. So uh, four years. <laughs> Age like a fine one.
2: <laughs> it actually was a fun game, Kyle. It was pretty interesting.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I want to know when Ryan is going to open that Batman game he's had on the shelf for ten years.
0: Never. <laughs> Never. Uh someone wants a Batman Gotham City Chronicles Kickstarter all in Super Deluxe Pledge. I have one that's sealed, so it's got hundreds of miniatures, Kyle, which is the other reason why I'm not opening it, because I'll never get them all back in the box. Um, Brian David, Brian David, you (laughs) should open the Batman box now. No, 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 Bane, no. (laughs) And by box, Bert means boxes. There's about eight of them. (laughs) The one I do want to open, though, is the Batmobile, right? Because it, it's it's a board game Batmobile, but it's actually a full-scale functional rolling model of the Batmobile because, you know, there's a reason it was a $500 Kickstarter. <laughs> um, anyway, Brass Birmingham, which is itself a sequel to Brass, or now called Brass Lancashire, um, it might be getting another look in the... In the near future, quote, we're not quite ready to share what our next brass sequel is, but it's our current top priority for development in 2024. Slated to be our next Kickstarter, which we plan to launch Q4 2024. Yeah, w- why? I would be sitting on this too. you got the number one board game in the world. <laughs> You're still yeah. selling it. It's still reprinting. Yeah. Wait till it slips, right? Wait till it slips. You got yeah. it. That's what she said. Yeah. yeah. Man, I hate when it slips. It's so demoralizing. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. You know, I guess it shouldn't be demoralizing because it's particularly moist if you're having the, anyway. anyway. Uh,
2: Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. Uh. It's moist. It's moist. See,
0: Bane agrees with
2: me. What's next in the news, Ryan?
0: I once was in this nice fine lady. Ryan. I destroyed her when I slipped from one to the next. Oh, that's enough. Can you say prolapse?
2: Oh, my head hurts. What is next in the news,
0: Ryan? Uh, I'm sticking on the... God, (laughs) that's probably the worst thing that I've said in a really long time. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Staying with board games, uh, we talked a little bit about this with Kelp, but the counterfeiters nailed Kelp before the Kickstarter backers were able to get their version of the game. So there were bogus copies of Kelp, which were um, from all accounts very nice bogus copies of kelp uh, (laughs) that came out before the actual game did. Uh, Looking at this top down, there are a lot of board games that are getting smacked by it, including there is the big apiary, which is out right now, which I actually looked at. I almost bought it the other day, Bert. I really did. I was was very tempted. And then... The the sequel to Wingspan, which I won't be buying because she's a woke fuck. Wormspan, obviously dragons, right? They're already popping up on Google Marketplace. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, so you're able to find these before, in some cases with Wormspan, before the game is actually out with Apiary. It's, it's big right now. They are... Uh, Really clobbering the board game market. Quote, we don't have a good solution for counterfeits on alternative marketplaces, as in other than their own. This is uh Jamie Stegmeier of Stonemeyer Games. Even if we include components that are difficult to replicate, the customer doesn't know until they've already purchased the products. And counterfeiters are using real photos of the game in their online listing. So let's say you've got custom meeples, the Chinese counterfeiters might put in cubes, right? Right. Functionally, it's the same game. And in the case of kelp, the counterfeiters had spot on direct translations of, of what was there, which leads me to believe, you know, China one for you, one for us, one for you, one for us off the line. We know that's how that happens. It happens everywhere. It happens with handbags. It happens with shoes. Stegmeier continues. It's hard to say at this point how much it's impacting our business. But I do know that there are lost sales and with bad counterfeiting, that's me editorializing with bad counterfeiting, um, plenty of customer confusion and frustration. I would wager with good counterfeiting. Some people have counterfeits and they don't even know it. don't even know it. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. It sucks that it's another layer of China garbage that we have to deal with as independents. Right? I don't know that I would even want to release a board game in today's climate. The political climate is a shitstorm. The economics of it are just bad.
2: Yeah, I mean, is uh, board game counterfeiting the new sort of like video piracy? Like it seems like it's becoming more and more widespread. Well, well think about a, it. And,
0: Go ahead, Kyle.
1: No, the the market for board games has expanded so much over the last few years that now it's financially feasible for the counterfeiters to try to take advantage of it. Whereas before, maybe it wasn't so much.
0: Right. And yeah. if you target a hundred, hundred and fifty dollar, two hundred dollar board game and counterfeit it and bang it out at 75 bucks. Yeah. You know, you're you're making good coin at that point. Because if my conspiracy theory is true and it's coming off of the same production line China ain't paying any of those production costs. The independents and the game studios are paying yeah. full production costs. So they are effectively paying to counterfeit their own products.
1: Their own stuff. Yeah, mm. exactly. I mean, you know, it, it, it sucks. But from a counterfeiter's point of view, that's the brilliant part of it. Right.
0: I right. can't disagree we, with that.
1: And we've got like no overhead. You're footing the bill and we're going to rip you off. It's it sucks. It, it sucks. sucks. It's, a, it's a kick in the balls for the in, for the Indies. Absolutely,
2: it really is.
0: That's why, when possible, and I get it, there are some games, especially if they're mass market releases, but big price tags, where you're going to get a significant, significant savings going third-party marketplace. But when possible, especially in the board game world, buy it from your local FLGS because you know that's coming from direct distribution or buy it direct from the publisher itself. Right. You know, that's, that's the only way that you can get around it. And is it worth saving a couple of bucks to support the counterfeiters? Absolutely not. Uh, It it might seem tempting to, to go and look for these things. I, when we talked about it before, I, I sort of, tongue-in-cheek said well maybe i should go look for kelp um no Uh, if if you do that then the creators no longer have incentive to create and and then it dries up and we're back to having board games be six feet of shelf space in kmart i just dated myself (laughs) (laughs) at least you didn't say hills no no kyle did hills make it all the way over to you Never
1: heard of it. Okay. Well, I mean, we've got Hills. You know, there's a lot of Hills.
0: Hills Department Store.
1: Never heard of Hills.
0: It was Park. a tri-state department store chain that was spectacular. Oh, my goodness. Oh.
1: Mm-hmm. The Hills were spectacular.
0: They had a, a little snack kiosk up in the front. Always smelled like popcorn and Ices. They had the most delicious hot dogs. I learned one of the most valuable lessons from my grandfather at the Hills lunch counter. When I was a child, uh, my parents were very uh, yuppie professionals, right? Uh, So I was generally raised tangentially with my parents and my maternal grandparents. And there was a hills down over the hill from where my grandparents lived. (laughs) And every Wednesday we would go down and I would have a hot dog and an icy with my grandfather. And then I would play the video game that was there and we would walk through the toys section sometimes i would get a toy sometimes i didn't and then we would you know we, he called it we would go we were going down the street then we went down the street we went to radio shack and then we went to wendy's to get a frosty and then on the way home from wendy's we drove by the junkyard and looked at all the scrapped cars so uh, at the hill's lunch counter I finally said, "Why? I want to go to Hills. I'm going to go. No, 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 Ryan. We have to go to Hills on Wednesday. Well, Wednesday was Senior Citizens Day. They got a free icy and a hot dog. <laughs> on <Wednesdays. laughs> And he sat me down and he said, now, here's why. And he showed me the sign. Free hot dog and icy on Wednesdays for senior citizens, 55 and older. And he looked at me and he said, Ryan, everything tastes better when it's free. it was one of my youngest memories, but I very specifically remember that phrase. And you can bank that that phrase is accurate. When your friends take you out to dinner, everything tastes better when it's free. When you uh, get a free prize by using the, the mobile app of whatever it is that you're driving through, everything tastes better when it's free. When that knockout redhead finally giggles and opens her apartment yeah. door, everything tastes better. Brian, once free.
2: Brian, <laughs> Brian, Brian, anyway,
0: uh, Henry Cowan. you are you are in a mood today. I am. I don't know what the mood is, but it's certainly better than it was yesterday. Certainly better <laughs> than it was earlier this week. <laughs> Let's shift gears. Hey. This news story got flagged for inappropriate content on Twitter. Did you know that? No, what is it? <laughs> uh, Kyle did. Uh, the funny thing is, Bert, there's no freaking inappropriate content in it at all. They flagged the image. Someone, someone is having a report fest with us on Twitter right now. Ah. Um, it's going to be even more funny when you hear what the story is. Highlander reboot starring Henry Cavill set for a 2026 release. Was he naked
2: like he was in The Witcher? Like, did you release media or something?
0: I released a screen grab of the headline with the associated uh, Christopher Lambert, Sean Connery DVD title that is up <laughs> and available. There ain't nothing, nothing sensitive about this media content, but um, it's... You know, it is the way of the world when the leprechauns and the skittle hairs get all in a tizzy. They do what they do, and we keep surviving and it keeps driving them crazy. Um, Uh, That's why I'm so glad to be out here in the wilderness. I I don't I do envy you sometimes. Bert. Believe me, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of this spring, I think you, me and the little dude should go fishing. But that's absolutely that's, that's an aside. Anyway, I've got like ten
2: places I can take you guys that are great for kids to go fishing.
0: Spectacular.
2: Spectacular.
0: Uh 2026, Bert. We uh we put in the cart before the horse on this one. A, it is a Highlander reboot. B it's Henry Cavill. Nothing gonna last till 2026. <laughs> yeah.
2: That poor guy's had so many projects canceled, it's ridiculous.
0: I mean, I think he would be a good representation in the Highlander franchise. No word on whether this is going to be a straight like Connor McLeod continuation or if it's going to be something else. But I would assume if it's Cavill, it's going to be authentic. So, um, (laughs) again, it's a long ways away. And that's a long time to wait. Twenty twenty-six. Twenty twenty-six. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, with Cavill in it and everything, I'd be okay with, with an actual reboot. Like a like a hardcore reboot. Like we're a redo
0: or a yeah, reboot.
1: Yeah. A a redo. We're gonna we're gonna remake the first movie and we're gonna update it, you know, with a little bit more modern uh special effects and and that kind of thing. I, I would be okay with that.
0: I know. I'm going to get shit story. for this. But the first Highlander, it had some not so great moments and some cheese in it. Right?
1: Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. 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 It, did. it, did. it was, came out in the eighties. Yeah. Everything yeah. in the eighties had that.
0: And let's not even talk about Highlander two.
1: <laughs> you know what? I never saw that. I've never seen anything past one.
0: Oh, don't Kyle. you know when they released Highlander three, they said Highlander two didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right, yeah, and and Sean Connery is in Highlander too, right? He shouldn't be. (laughs) (laughs) Even Connery couldn't pull that out of the fire. Yeah, I did watch the TV series. I I saw some of that. I did not. I know a lot of people that did follow it, and they followed it pretty fervently.
1: I did. I did too. Uh, for the first several seasons, anyway. The first season was a little weak. The second and third seasons were were much stronger.
0: Give me a thirty second sell on it, because I'm 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 digging for new stuff
1: oh, to watch. God. Dude, it's been so long since okay, I've watched. Right. I watched. do don't, I don't know. It's <laughs> it's probably. I mean, you know, I'm looking back at it through the eyes of nostalgia. I don't, I don't even know if it holds up today or not. I haven't revisited any. Of a lot it. of I remember stuff liking doesn't. it at the time.
0: A lot of yeah. stuff doesn't. I I watched T two this week. Because when I'm angry, I like seeing Androids destroy humanity. Okay. Um, and I always remember being a bigger fan of the original Terminator, and it yes. was solidified for me this week. despite the, you know, critics and the fan scores, everybody says T two is the superior film. It was just downright schlocky in some places. And I did not like that. It, you know, where the first one took it very seriously, I like the first one better personally as well.
1: And even though it's a it's a bit dated as far as some of the you know the animatronics, it and everything ain't
0: bad like that, though.
1: It ain't it's bad. A, it's a good story. It's a it's a it's a it's a grim story. It is which which always appeals to me. I love I love that grit and grim, and uh, it, it's it's you know it's kind of dark in places, but it's a yeah i in my opinion it's the best of the franchise it's the very first one i think everyone liked the second one cuz arnold got to be you know a good guy and that's uh, kind of what they were wanting
0: that last scene though <clears throat> man that grinds yeah. my gears with the fucking thumbs up come on yeah. come on <laughs> <Yeah. sighs> anyway uh last but not least in the news i'm going to throw out a name there and see if you guys recognize it françois beringer I have heard that name. You should have. From where? He is, for lack of a better term, the best and most published modern Lovecraft artist that's still out there.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: And he is releasing his fourth collection of Lovecraft work, The Dunwich Horror. And it is just downright beautiful. Mm, I do love Lovecraft. It is a full-on art coffee table book. Interesting. That includes obviously the Dunwich Horror and his spectacular spectacular art. If you haven't seen his stuff before, just, you know, go to the Big Bad Amazon and look it up. Uh, His Lovecraft stuff is top-notch and not for nothing you know that i am a huge fan of the fantasy flight lovecraftian art because their style that their team of artists has been able to pull off is arguably the best lovecraft visuals that we've seen bert you know this we played those games a lot sure i mean i think that they do a great
2: job with that i mean you know and his stuff is better we're gonna catch a lot of all talking about lovecraft and yes lovecraft as a person was trash but what artists do with his work is amazing
0: eh, lovecraft wasn't trash lovecraft was a man in his time and we <laughs> we have to just ignore that we, we we have to accept that 200 years from now people are going to say ryan david was trash he liked that ai shit <laughs> people say that right now right i was going to say people are saying that today <laughs> fuck you both that's the news <laughs> go check out this book the dunwich horror um Free plug for him, but it is beautiful, thirty-dollar coffee table book. Uh, but if you're a fan of art and you're a fan of Lovecraft, it's it's spectacular. All right, now that we're winding down from the news, we're going to close out today with a look at a new module for the OSR. Uh, full disclosure. We like the guy that wrote this, Uh, Randy Nichols. You know him from his many appearances as a guest here on Nerd Cognito and or the Saturday Speakeasy has published his OSR module, The Tragedy at Tygon Falls. It's an intro level module, uh, two to four, right, that can be slotted into just about anything like OSE. I mean, that's where I would put it. If I'm going to run Randy's module, the whole time I was reading it, I saw myself dropping it into OSE. But um, Bert, give us the the Bert summary.
2: Well, I mean, it's basically a, uh, a setup for uh, a dungeon exploration. Right. Uh, you know, it's got... There's a lot of like lore and legend and backstory that he that he does at the meeting. but basically it's a setup for a dungeon exploration for your party to take on.
0: It's a straight up dungeon crawl at its core, right? right. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, yeah
1: i i wouldn't I wouldn't call it a straight up dungeon crawl. Really? I think that's it. yeah. I wouldn't, and I think I think that's its focus, and I think that's in it, it is a its intent, mm-hmm. but I don't think I would call it just a straight up dungeon crawl. It's not like some of the old school modules where you open it up and it's like, here's the entrance. Here's the, here's room one, you know, where all the rooms are numbered and all that kind of thing. This is actually mm-hmm. set up where the players are going to, I don't want to give too much away, but essentially let's say like caravan guards, gar- guarding transportation of some goods. Right. right. And depending on the player choices, it's probably gonna turn into a dungeon crawl, but it doesn't necessarily have to.
0: Okay, that's fair. And that's fair, yeah, I, mean, I, I wanna give Randy props too on the front end. His narrative and descriptions of mm-hmm. some of the players from a background or a as they would appear in the module perspective is presented on the front end. And I like that a lot because then when you get to the juicier bits in the actual module, you have a point of reference for how these people would think, act, right. talk, that sort of thing.
2: So right, I think it, it's the,
0: dungeon crawl plus. How's that? Yeah. 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 And I don't think,
2: I, I think that he, you're right on with that, Kyle. It doesn't necessarily have to be a dungeon crawl, but ultimately, hopefully your yeah. goal is to get your party into that dungeon and moving around.
1: Yeah, that's that's the intent, but it's but it's not like Tomb of Horrors where if you walk up to the to the door uh and the players say, "Yeah, we're not we're, we're not going to go in here." Then what do you do, you know, at that point the game just right. ends. You know, that that early you put that module aside, you do something else. <laughs> this here, this here you you you've actually got stuff that you can work with to to still have an adventure when you don't necessarily have to have to do this. It's one of the great things about it actually is because it's a little bit more wide open than just your classic dungeon crawl. I was a little, I'm a hundred percent honest here. When I first read through it, I was a little put off by the lore dump at the beginning. Really? I thought there was a lot. I I, thought there was a lot, there
0: was a lot, but I like that sort of thing. So maybe I gave it a pass
1: because I, I felt like maybe it was a, and for me, this is the initial reading. my initial reaction was this is too much. but then when you actually get into the map and the dungeon crawls and and like you were saying with the NPCs and everything and you start to see motivations and everything, then now I understand why it's there. and so and so i'm a, I'm a much better place with it personally. yeah, I think it makes it makes a lot of sense to have that kind of lore dump. Uh, once you actually read through the whole thing, but my initial right. reaction reading the first two or three pages was like, man, this is going on a little long. Um, but it, but it, if you do purchase it, if you do, if you do read through it, read it through to the end and, and then it all kind of comes together into a co- cohesive whole and it makes
0: a lot more sense.
1: Yeah.
0: Bert, anything that you wanted punched up a little bit or that you well, were, um, I don't think we're disappointed with it at all. I think it's a very None solid, solid module. Oh, I but
1: think it's, I think it's very good. He's I, actually I, doing something that I've had an idea about doing. Not that specific module, but some of the way the way he's gone about it.
0: I really went in to nitpick it, and the <laughs> I couldn't can't. find a whole lot to nitpick. No, right? It was very not. solid. There's not. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know,
2: the um, maybe the art a little bit. The art is real retro. For what, it, for the way it looks, it reminds me of some of those old modules from you know the seventies and early eighties. Right, the art was done but, by you know, uh,
0: Patrick Demo of Pointy Hat Games, uh, and my only like complaint with the with the art was was the cover with the bright colors. And I know, right, who am I? To, I just released fucking Greenhaven. Who am I to complain about bright colors? But the tone of the module didn't match the palette of the front cover. It almost and we we were talking about this off the air. I almost would have preferred to see that cover art in black and white even though that's a no-no for a cover. But I think that the the palette that was used for the the colors on the front piece of artwork didn't jive with the rest of the module, especially in contrast yeah. to the black and white art that's in the book.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I tend to agree with that a little bit. I actually, I think the cover art would work better if you made it a little bit darker and desaturated it. You could probably get away with doing that. You wouldn't have to necessarily do just straight black and white. I am a fan of the just straight black and white. Though
0: because, you <laughs> but know, you don't want that on a cover, right? Well, Kyle does. You know, but, I, I, I don't you know,
1: think I don't see a problem.
0: It, but, yeah. No, I, I I think that there's nothing that can't be punched up without changing a damn thing in pho- except for going into photoshop and and doing some color tweaks with that front cover just to make it match the tone of the module if that makes sense. That's my biggest nitpick, right? Like Yeah. Randy, good job. Yeah. I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> now, I'll yeah. tell you
2: guys what one of my favorite things about the module was. Have you guys ever picked up a module and you get locked into like box text or dialogue where a certain character talks a certain way or things like that?
0: Most, I think that right? Most, Most of them. them, a
2: lot of them, with with this, here he gives you here's the information that this character will give to the players if they ask these questions. It'll give them this information, but he leaves you as the DM agency on you know how that character gives them the information, what he actually says. Like you're not locked into like a dialogue menu or dialogue choices. Right. It just says here's the yeah. information that they'll get out of him if they talk to him, and then how that conversation goes opens things up for you as the dm to make that npc your own right yeah any
0: other yeah, corrections that, was, was, that you guys need to see is because uh, I, I got i really got nothing yeah, that people I, are gonna be like right you're showing because randy's your friend yeah randy's no, my friend i have full disclosure but it's a really good good tale a, that you can throw into your table
1: yeah it's a good product it's a good product and it's 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 uh you know even though you know at first i was put off by them by the massive lore dump at the beginning it makes sense it's 22 pages too it's 22 pages it's short and sweet right right um it's only slightly longer than keep on the borderlands
2: yeah i mean some people might complain because it, it does have that retro feel that there's not um Like you said you start from sort of a basic premise you know guarding transportation or whatever and that they're like oh that's a trope that's been done to death but it's they do it because it works like what are you going to do as a low to mid-level character to make money
0: right Right. no i I totally agree um 4.99 if you are strapped for an adventure five bucks man go pick it up biggie comporium of course uh, not on drive through RVG. it's it's on big geek Emporium. uh good job Randy. uh we we really liked the module um and it was it was something that i can see i don't know that i would run it as written but i can definitely see me taking that dungeon and those general characters and throwing them into a campaign that's coming up yeah probably at my thursday night table when i get my fucking fiend folio back <sighs> the only
1: the only uh, the only real criticism i have and this is just me as an old guy is there's no descending armor class <laughs>
0: uh, well i think that that's kind of know, an easy translation kyle uh, i know uh, it is i know uh, it
1: is i'm just saying i'm just saying yeah, yeah, yeah. AC uh, thirteen. AC thirteen.
2: There is no such thing. <laughs> AC thirteen. Oh, that means it's like a soft bodied, right? There oh, is no yeah, like outer shell yeah. at all. Look,
0: yeah. Freaking seven, Kyle. Let's move on. <laughs> 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 all you got to do is subtract. I am um, aware. I, I am aware. You know what i what I have to subtract every month? I have to take sixteen dollars for the blue check mark on Twitter. And subtract whatever has come in from our... Checkmark Hero. ...fund, right? We, we have a little Checkmark Hero fund that is by fans and friends of the show that know that they are doing us a solid because they are allowing the NerdCognito Twitter account... To have that all important blue check mark. Not only that, but they know that they're going to get a shout out like our big time check mark hero, Cinnamander, who just released The Navarro Knight. Check it out. And mm-hmm. this week, we have a second check mark hero that's coming in to balance things out, and that is our friend, the ultra American TTRPGer. He's formerly been on the show when. He- He talked about his belief that he was deplatformed or I guess deplatformed isn't the word
2: removed
0: (laughs) from a Kickstarter that he had previously backed. You can check that episode out in the archives and hear his version of the story. Uh, But you should give him a follow on the Twitter machine as well at Ultra TTRPG. That's Ultra TTRPG. Can't thank both of our check mark hero is enough because their contribution is definitely something that keeps that check mark floated. You can be a check mark hero by going to nerdcognito.com, finding the link at the top of the page that says, be a check mark hero, clicking it and tossing as little as $2 will get you into the status where 10 Ryan's sing at you. I mean, who who wouldn't want that? I know I would want it. <laughs> what? 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 Is that a
1: rhetorical question! No,
0: no, we're running. I'm, we're running short on time. Anyhow, any final thoughts, to, guys, this week? Uh, having to deal with ten Ryans would be terrifying. What do you mean? It would be like multiplicity, man. That, what an underrated movie, by the way, Michael Keaton. <laughs> yeah it was it was spectacular film if you haven't checked it out or if it's a little uh old for you and you are one of our younger members of the nerd cognito nation it's like i don't understand what some of these old guys are talking about check out multiplicity it's a funny movie funny movie anyway um i guess i should tell people to do the things please remember the big thing that is time sensitive, especially this week because we are running out the clock on January, go to drive through RPG dollar pick up the village of Greenhaven and pop it into your table. Um, we also want you to follow and subscribe to this, the big show on the podcast provider that you're listening to us on. And don't forget about the Saturday speakeasy, which streams on YouTube every Saturday at five Eastern. If you want to follow us on the Twitter machine, after you have followed at NerdCognito, you can follow Kyle at Dying Breed TT. You can follow me at I Hate Ryan David. You can't follow Bert unless you're following him back into the cave. So that's that's all we've got for you, um, gentlemen. Am I forgetting something? Don't think so. I don't think yeah, so either. I can remember. We uh, appreciate everybody tuning in and listening, and hey, the big thing, tell your friends. Hey, you want to kill an hour in traffic and listen to some nerds bitch off about stuff? (laughs) 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 Check out Nerd Cognito. That really does matter because the number one way that this show and your Nerd Cognito Nation grows is through your word of mouth. And We humbly and sincerely appreciate each and every one of you that support us. My name is Ryan David. I was joined by Kyle and Bert this week, and we will talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody.
1: I have an intelligence of six. I think I know what I'm doing. Make the roll.